Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the show of record, the 3BY podcast, the biggest survival podcast show we put out. Based one you'll find on beans, bullets, bandages, and you.com. I'll tell you what. The spice? I'm salt. I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. I mean, I am hungry, and we need to, we need to eat. You know what I'm hungry for we haven't had in a while? What would you like, sir? Let's eat an elephant. Ooh, that sounds like quite the job. How well, are we going to manage that? I don't know. How do you eat an elephant? Why don't we just go for it one bite at a time? One bite at a time. All right. Well, well how would a prepper eat a prepping elephant? One bite at a time. Here's the deal. To be prepared, you're trying to be as self-reliant as possible, given all the things that life may bring. And if that sounds like a basically never-ending task, that's because to be fully prepared is kind of an impossibility, so it would be a never-ending task. But wait, that does not mean prepping is useless, because everything you do brings you better prepared and able to deal with more than the things you didn't get around to doing. So even though it's really daunting to think about all the things a prepper could do, and if you're new to the motivation, you might call it, Hobby is not what I call it. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> obsession. Yeah, I wouldn't go there Dimension. either. <laughs> I wouldn't go there either, but that uh, part of life, that's how I'd put it. If you're new to embracing this responsibility, there we are, then you start looking at all the information out there and it seems like it's an impossible amount to get done, especially given your finances and your other constraints. And the you know family situation where you're... You may believe this, but maybe your spouse isn't on board. Maybe your parents think you're nuts. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. People are in denial. Uh, maybe you don't have a lot of storage space. Uh, maybe you live in an apartment in the city, and you know that's a really that's a really big challenge. So you know, and maybe you're maybe you're young. Maybe you're just in your teens, and you 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 don't really have the the freedom to do it. Or maybe you're you know, there's all kinds of situations, and I know. A lot of people, when they first stop and contemplate something like a major, huge prepping disaster, like a grid-down situation, you know, the temptation is just to throw up your hands and say, "I can't. That's just too big of a, too big of an elephant for me to eat." Well, one bite at a time. Because you don't know, for one thing, what crisis is going to be there. Life always brings crises. There's going to be something. Yes, every life has stuff hits the fan moments, whether they're a national moment, a regional moment, or just in your personal life moment. Yeah, wheels hit a slick spot on the road moment is sometimes. Yeah, there's the black ice out there everywhere. You don't often see it until it's too late and you've slipped. So... There's a lot of things you can do that will help you in a lot of situations. Even though none of us will ever be fully prepped for what life brings. Spoiler, we're not going to get out of this one alive. We, we do have some ideas, though, of things that have helped us in our journey of prepping, which is nowhere near complete. Yeah, but everything you do brings you closer. So, And some of the stuff, stuff we have done so far has been of real help in situations we've encountered since we started prepping. And some of the stuff we have in our preps are just to get us by until we can replace them with better. 
uh, because something is better than nothing. And I have all kinds of examples, but I'm going to let her go down her list. She's got a list. Yeah, because there is a companion article to this podcast. But you probably got the How to prep an of, elephant. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I wrote the uh, companion piece, so I kind of had some ideas in mind there. But that's the first main point. Even though it's never going to be complete, it's worth doing and starting, and the way to do is just start. But not just probably jumping in randomly and buying a bunch of stuff is probably not the most efficient way to go about this. Especially if some of that stuff you don't know how to use. Yeah. So first deal is prioritize and try and think about what are you actually trying to prep for? What is most likely to be your next stuff hits the fan moment? Go by not what's the worst thing that can happen, but rather by what's most likely to happen because everything you do to prep for well pretty much everything you do to prep for what is most likely to happen will also help you out if in, the worst happens in many of the situations in many situations, the worst not every but most yeah. actually i mean there's very few things that a basic beginning prep like having a bug out bag having a get home bag having a certain amount of food on hand, having water on hand, having ways to filter water. I mean, these are just pretty much every situation that comes up. These are nice to have. And since since this is named, aimed at new preppers, a bug out bag would be uh, you hear that a train car carrying ammonia has derailed half mile from you and the wind's coming your way. You got to get out. You got to evacuate right now. What do you grab and go? That's a bug out bag. Right, and we're not going to go into how to put together a bug out bag. In fact, we've kind of avoided that on 3BY because there's a zillion places that that talk about bug out bags to nausea. Yeah, to a tiresome level was what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not that it's not brain surgery. It's a bag full of stuff. Yeah, and a get home bag is like I have a bag in my car that. If all else failed and I'm at work, I commute a, a distance to work. If I'm at work and something bad happens and I either can't get home at, that night or I have to get myself home on foot, which is going to take me a full day of walking, um, I'm supplied to do that. That's a get-home bag. So I actually would modify the idea a little bit, not only but... What is most likely to happen to you? That's an important consideration. But how likely is it that you'll need the prep? For example, if the power goes out when you're at home, very likely situation, you probably want some food on hand that'll be decent to eat. And if you got kids, that the kids will eat, that you can prep without electricity. You want to have some water on hand if the power goes out because the water may stop running. Or you get a no-boil order. Or a, no, uh, a boil order. A don't-drink-the-water order. That's what I was trying to go for there. With the power out. Or even with the power on because it's well, actually a pain in the butt to we... have to boil lunch water to drink it. If you've got some easier way to purify water and some ready-to-drink water on hand, life is just a lot nicer. Uh, 
we had a boil order here uh, a couple months ago, and it was no thing because we had just pulled out one of the cans of water we've got sitting there and didn't even have to mess with anything beyond that. So, so there are preps that are going to be useful in a wide range of situations and that easy to prepare food readily available on hand is one of those preps. You know, there's everything from power goes out for 12 hours to North Korea sets off a nuclear EMP pulse right above your head. It's going to be helpful to have that food there. So it's a very, oh, scores very high on the priority stink. list. <laughs> yeah, it would. That's about a worst um, case scenario. Yeah. But the point is, the prep would be useful in all those situations. That's true. Which makes it a very high-value prep. Yes. And therefore, goes high on the priority list. And we were talking about priorities uh, as far as high, high likelihood versus low likelihood. Look, you live, let's say we live in the Midwest. We know power outage is extremely high likelihood. It's not necessarily, well, if you're prepared, it's not even an emergency. It's an annoyance. Um, power outages in the winter... We know it's going to happen, so we have, one of our preps is to have a heating system for our house that does not require any electricity, whatever. Um, it's not a primary heating system, but we have one. And it's not even particularly expensive. It's a prep. What else are we likely to have? Thunderstorms. Uh, we're likely to have trees down because of storms and stuff like that. We... You know, these are the kind of things that we're likely to have. There's a We live far enough away from the railroad tracks that we really shouldn't have to be evacuated from a train wreck. But, but we have possible. trucks carrying ammonia drive, drive down the highway two blocks from us all the time. Yeah, so, you know, that's not that... You know, it could happen. It could happen, but if you live right next to some train tracks, I'd have some, you know, all of the... Because those trains haul everything. And I just have some preps for that, you know. People forget about trains and how dangerous they are. Uh, so it's just it's just a matter of where if you live in the southwest, well, you know to have water props. If you live in the hurricane zone, you know hurricanes are coming. They just it may not be this year, but it's coming. You know you have to have an evacuation plan. If you live on the coast, evacuation plan. If you live in Hawaii, you know you're likely to have earthquakes, volcano eruptions, and tsunamis all at the same time. <laughs> so because live it's on a just hill. that way. <laughs> okay? Live on a hill. The beach is beautiful. That's where you go to visit. But then you go back up the hill. And let's say if you are on the Big Island, for example, and you are a serious prepper, you need to live in Kohala. You don't want to live on the, like a lot of people do on the side of Hualalai or on the side of Mauna Loa because they've erupted in the last 200 years and they're very likely to do it again. Yeah, every other week they spit lava that direction. So well, I don't want to be there. To be fair, neither one of those two, but no, Kauai well, does. Okay. You know, and there were you, people you know. living, there were people, there were subdivisions that were, you know, south, downhill from Kilauea which has been erupting continuously for, I don't know, 25 years. And continuously means every day. So this is just an example. You know, if you live on the on one of the other islands, 
You have to have a plan for earthquakes. You have to have a plan for tsunamis. If you live on um, on the Big Island in the Waipio Valley, just don't. Because <laughs> you're really it's, likely to die from a tsunami. It's been smeared too often, yeah. You know, but, Some places are just bad places to live. The That's the other part of what do you prep for? How necessary would the prep be if the situation did occur? Right. For example, uh, Salty bought me this cute little uh, corn popper that you can uh, pop popcorn over a fire. Yeah. Bought it for use out at the place. Yeah. I like it, but it's not a prep. I because didn't buy it as a prep. Yeah. I, I'm I looking know. at you like, really? That's not a prep. <laughs> I just bought you a corn popper so you can pop corn. Yeah, it just got originally placed on the uh, placed with the preps when it came in because it was winter at the time. Oh, well, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I just bought you so you can make some popcorn. Yeah. The point is, that's not really a prep because it's too easy to live without it and it's not important enough to be worth prepping budget, basically. However, the outdoor fireplace. Yes. Is that where you're going? No, I was actually going with the solar-powered flashlights. Little solar-powered flashlights. Yes, they're great for almost any prep. Yeah. Or non-prep. We use them all the time. We use them a lot. Yeah. That way you don't have to worry about your dadgum uh, batteries being out when you need a flashlight. And we don't have to throw a bunch of uh, disposable batteries in the landfills, which I'd prefer not to do. It saves money, saves time, saves effort. It's win-win-win. And the ones we use are pretty tough, too. But yeah, we bought. I bought a. Uh, one of the first things I did was we put in a little uh, outdoor fireplace at the place, um, so we can have a fire when we sit out there on our porch and have a fire and all that stuff. But you can cook out there. Um, and, the, and you could safely build a fire in a high wind and when it's really dry, which wouldn't necessarily be true in an open fire in the middle of a uh, prairie. And when concentrating on preps. You know, the thing I would keep in mind is these great multi-use things. And I, to me, our, our best, if we had to pick one coolest prepping item we own, I would think you couldn't go any further than looking at the pot the, that you used to... Kelly kettle? The yeah, Kelly kettle, yeah. The cool. Kelly kettle I mean, is so a much. little uh, camping... Um, it's a little sleeve kind of coffee pot shaped thing. It's got a fire base. So you build a tiny little fire in the fire base. Out of just sticks. It's got a, yeah, sticks, pine Burn cones, trash. whatever, tiny little burnable stuff you got. You put the uh, can on top that has a water sleeve. And you can put a little grill on top of that so you can cook stuff on the little grill and the the pot holds it a decent distance above the fire, but it also boils the water in the sleeve. So you've got purified water and you've got hot water to cook with and hot water for hygiene. And it's once you boil water, there's not a whole lot left in it that's going to be harmful to you. There's a couple things that might be in there, but not much. So you've got purification, you've got cooking, you've got cleaning, you've got everything all at the cost of yard trash. For, and a hot cup of drink in the morning. Ten minutes after you wake up? So it's the kind of thing that helps you in just about any type of situation where you don't have power. So stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? When you've got a multiple-use product, that's something you you might want to... Yeah. 
you know, think about that. That helps you. That's a big chunk of elephant right there. Yeah. So once you've decided where your priorities are, set a budget because that does two things. Let's you live a real life without obsessing and without getting yourself into trouble in other areas because you're over-concentrating on preps and neglecting the here and now. We are going to live the here and now anyway. I mean, let's not get so carried away with preparing for the future that we don't live and enjoy today. To a point. To a point, yeah. But the other half of it is, if you've got a budget, then the prep budget goes to preps and some stuff actually gets done. And it doesn't just get put off in in favor of um, immediate needs endlessly. I'm going to throw out another thing here. It's not really on her list, but I'm going to throw it out there and you can take it for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, Spice and I live debt-free. We've lived debt-free for many years. And I think for most people who have consumer debt, one of the best overall preps they could do is get out of debt and get it all paid off. So that gives you the tools that you need to really enjoy life and prep. You know, it's one of those deals where if you saddle with a lot of consumer debt, you know, you're you're really in a vulnerable position. You know, you're in an immediate crisis you, you if you lose a job. You can't lose a job. You can't. You, you know, don't have choice to change jobs very easily. It's really one of those deals where that's a good, it's a, it's a prep that nobody talks about. It's a prep that nobody makes, but we're talking about debt. That is a big bite out of the elephant is to be out of debt. Yes. Out of consumer debt. And there's many ways you can do it. You know, there's, there's the guy from Tennessee who's on the radio all the time. There's other people that you can do. You can do it yourself, whatever. It's not, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you this, this certain thing is right, but I'm telling you, when you can just say, okay, well, other than my, my piddly little bills, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have a car payment. I don't have a house payment. I don't have a whatever. Now, we're old, and it took us many years to do this, but we never got really deeply in consumer debt to start with. But, man, it's really stressful and hard when you're having to try and come up with ways to pay the bills, make those payments, and then think about prepping it pushes the prepping back down the table a little bit. So just a thought. I'm going to leave it at that. We'll push on. Um, as you start to accumulate stuff, make sure you've got something to do with it so it's going to be where you can get to it when you need it. And it's going to stay good long term because you've got it in a good storage situation. Right. Don't let a family of mice moving in ruin your whole food preps. No. And that can happen if you don't have them very well proofed. Truth. Or don't store all your preps in non-watertight containers in your basement and then have a pipe break on the first floor and ruin thousands of dollars worth of preps because they were right underneath. And don't put your food preps out in your shed where it gets to be 100 degrees in the and it goes up to 100 degrees, and it comes down to 70 degrees at night, back up to 100 degrees. That, man, you won't have food for three months, let alone you know, a long time. Yeah, it Here's degrades a, much faster. There's a big bald eagle up there. There's a pair of them. Yeah, I see them. We're driving past a pair of bald eagles. Beautiful birds. Yeah. 
They're probably going to go eat that dead deer I just saw. They probably are. <laughs> Most people don't realize that bald eagles are carrying eaters, but they are. They like to hunt, too. But they like to fish. like to fish. They don't fish here, though. We're in land. Oh, they fish at our lake. I've seen them yeah, fish a little. Lake. Um, I like my diversionary tips. If you want to go see bald eagles, I'll tell you how to do it. You wait till <laughs> you wait till January. If it's cold, if it's a cold winter, of January, February... Then you go to one of the lock and dams on the Mississippi River. You go to the south side of the lock and dam where the water's all churned up because the river will be frozen over, but the water is open south of the uh, lock and dam, and you can see two to 300 eagles. I mean, they're just everywhere. Treating it like a fast food joint. They just go out, snag a fish, come back to their tree, drop the head on the fish head on your head if you're standing underneath them, <laughs> go out and get another one. It's really cool. Um, so anyway, that's just my little aside. Yeah. Okay, so have somewhere uh, good to put the stuff when you got it, so it doesn't go to waste. And let's not forget the skills. Learn how to use the stuff you're getting. Right, very important. So it's a value to you. We bring it up fairly often because we think that it's kind of an underserved idea in a lot of the prepping community, because nobody makes money off it. Yeah, a lot of people want stuff. They want you, they want you to buy stuff, but the stuff isn't what's going to save your life. It's what's between what's your ears that's what's going to save your life, the knowledge you have. So, you know, you have to do skull sessions. That's what the skull sessions are. It's an old coaching term. You have a skull practice. You sit around and think about things. You don't do anything. You think about them. Um, if you you realize what you need to work on and then just go work on it. The good news is that doesn't cost any money. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily involve anybody else. This is something that everybody can do if they've got a brain. They just engage it. This also tests your gear because That's not perfect. everything lives up to the words printed on the package when you bought it. Particularly sleeping bags. <laughs> when they say... Good, down to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. They mean if you're wearing all your clothes and what you're really going for is not to die of hypothermia, they're good down to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Sort of. They don't mean you're going to be comfortable if you just crawl in the way you usually sleep. I fell for that one the first time. Fortunately, I had an emergency blanket when I was out at the cabin when I fell for that one, <laughs> the new sleeping bag. Um, also, another one is, you know, you look at things like you see the three-season tent. What that really means is the seasons are... Early summer, mid-summer, yeah, and late summer. Early summer, <laughs> mid-summer, and late summer. Those are the seasons. <laughs> you know, if you want a good tent, first of all, don't get a yellow one. Get a dark colored one. So if you have to be out in the woods and you don't want to be seen, don't get one. You know, it's great when you're on Everest to have one of these expedition tents that are in yellow. That's fine. Nobody cares. Um, but if you're out in the woods, get something dark. Yeah. But, um, yes, tents are another one of the things that are just like that way. Yeah, I tried out our emergency tent after we bought it to see if one person really could set it up. And it really was as big and sturdy as you would think from reading the package. And in that case, I was pleasantly surprised. So I'm not saying all the stuff is junk. I'm just saying you don't know until you tried it. And yeah. you don't want to try it for the first time when it's pouring rain. 
and you've never seen how to set this thing up, and it's cold, and the people you're with are crabby and hungry and wet and just want to get in and out of the weather. You want to know what the heck you're doing when you need stuff like that. Truth. That's kind of the heart of the matter, which is convenient because we're about to the end of our drive. We're about to where we're going to be. So we're driving past where the mountain men should be. Are the mountain men out there? The mountain, the mountain men, men out men there today. We're going to be interviewing mountain men have pickup some trucks, mountain men apparently in the future because these mountain men live the old-fashioned way, like they would have actually lived in the eighteen twenties, eighteen thirties. Those look like uh, Civil War style oh, uh, tents, bivouac tents. They've yeah, got bivouac tents set up there, although they they live are do have their pickups parked right, next to they them. Their they had to get there. here. Uh, but they, uh, yeah. So we're going to get interview one of those people one of these days. So anyway, we're going to wrap this up. Got a wrap-up comment, or we just want to just wish you well. Up? Don't forget the dessert after you've had some bites of your elephant. Mm-hmm. We've got some nice uh, MRE uh, fudge brownies. Oh, those are good. which are surprisingly good. Yeah, MRE fudge brownies because chocolate improves the quality of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Although, frankly. You, Here's an here's an example of uh, just one thing that's a, and I'll leave it with this. I went shopping for some MREs because we like to update ours every year. We don't keep a whole lot of them. We keep a few, and uh, there aren't any to be had because of all the the hurricanes. They're just you know in Puerto Rico. They're just not to be had. The companies are producing and not selling to the civilian market at all because we buy legitimate civilian ones. We don't buy the military ones that are illegal to buy. And uh, you just can't you can't buy them. There's nothing to be had. So it's always better to be prepared before than scrambling after. So for a spice, this is salty, and we are out. Out.